Good morning, church. Wow, thank you for that last song, especially. God bless Laurie Daigle, right? Some good stuff. All right, we got a young man here, Jonathan Spence, and he's looking quite dapper, I might say. Um, I, I like the way you're dressed. Uh, Jonathan, of course, sings uh, some up on our praise team. Uh, he is a homeschool junior, and he's going to share our verse with us today. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then John gave his testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. Thank you, brother. Yeah. How about a round of applause? I never tire of hearing young people uh, read and speak the words of God. It's what gives them the discernment that they will need uh, as they live their lives for the king. So I'm, uh, I'm proud of these young men and women uh, that have been sharing God's word with us. Uh, a couple of things today as we get started. Uh, first of all, I want to mention the, uh, the life march. Uh, we, that uh, got stuck somewhere and we weren't able to mention it. It's today uh, from 2 to 4, so today's the first time we've announced it. A uh, very great event. I talked to the uh, guy that organized it yesterday, and he told me that Monroe has the largest march out of all the cities in the states uh, around, around the state of Louisiana, uh, which I take as a great blessing. That means we're committed to life here. Last year we had about 3,500 uh, in the march. Uh, I think Mom spoke at the end of it today. Lisa and I are going to speak. starts at the parking lot of First West, and we're going to march. And you say, well, but what if it's a little misty and rainy? Well, in the words of Coach Ed Orgeron of the LSU Fighting Tiger National Champions, we coming. We coming. All right. So we're going. We're going to march because this is one of the most important issues in our culture and our country. Uh, And I want you guys to support it, not just the march, but also our Life Choices Banquet uh, and life in general. I saw recently that we have the lowest abortions that we've had since Roe v. Wade. And I take that as a praise to Almighty God that maybe the message is getting out there in our culture. Praise him for that. One of the things that's helping with that is now our technology. We're able to look inside the womb much more clearly, and it's, and it's showing us what we knew all along. That's a life, and we want to protect that life at all costs. So praise the Lord. Uh, you know, I'm glad we got some leadership now uh, that's life-friendly. Uh, as well. So we want to keep that going. Uh, I do want to mention Lindley. I appreciate uh, the job she did in our announcements and really want you guys to uh, get those tickets uh, for Emma. And Emma's an amazing young woman. Uh, it's probably all the training that I gave her here at WFR is why she turned out so well. It's, uh, and her mom, Amanda, for sure. Uh, but she's a great blessing. She's speaking all around the country. She's really an inspiration for, for women and young women especially. So uh, be sure and sign up for that and the marriage retreat as well. We're going to feed you, but we've got to know you're coming. So get, uh, get online or get on the app and sign up for both of those. So I want to be able to give praise where praises do. The Bible says we should do that. A couple of weeks ago when I was up, I mentioned uh, that uh, Mike and I were a little more girthy than, than our young Trent, you know, who's all muscly, you know. Um, and fit. And so, you know, I, I, I came across some video. First, I was shocked by it. But then I thought, well, this is really good because Kellett is committing himself. So I got just a short snippet of video. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, it's pretty shocking. 
Uh, and it's from the 80s party that the church had last week. So, guys, can you run that video of, of Mike at the 80s party? Hi, everybody. In the next three minutes, we're going to work hard, work out, and get you fit to fly. Let's go! Stretch and slide. Yeah! You're a giraffe. I gotta say, Kellis never looked better. Um, and it was a bold choice to go as Richard Simmons. So, you know, hats off to Kellett. I wish he could have been here today, cause I, I, but I didn't want to embarrass him. Um, so, so be sure when you see him to congratulate him on how great he looks. So we're talking about our, our 2020 vision. Uh, that's what uh, we started the first Sunday of the year. And it's called Now I See. And we've talked about the Apostle Paul and those scales that he had over his eyes. And here was a guy who was a a terrorist who was after our brothers and our sisters. But when the scales fell off, he became an amazing instrument of the Almighty God. And so that's what we want in our own lives. And so we've started in the book of John because we want to make the case for Christ. And we want to show people that, you know, Christ really does rule And when our eyes and our vision are firmly on him and he motivates everything we do, we are unstoppable as to what we can do for the kingdom of God. And, you know, John, the reason I love the book so much is just Phil Jace calls them bumper sticker moments. They're all throughout the book. And, you know, he just kind of dives right into the ministry where the other gospels are a little bit different, you know, kind of laying out the chronology of Jesus' life and events. But John just goes for it. In fact, he said... In John 21, 25, which was the, is the last verse in the book, look what he said about what he's written and what he didn't write. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose, which, so he's going to let you know there's a little hyperbole coming. I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. In other words, he saw some amazing things. In that three years. Amazing. In redneck language, he would have said, hold my fermented grapes and watch this. Because this really something powerful about what Jesus Christ has done. So much so that I can't even write it all down. In fact, none of us could. That's how amazing it was to be able to witness. And so that's where we went to this book. And today we're going to capture one of those moments. And I agree, the worship songs today so beautifully blend exactly what we're going to be talking about. This moment captured in time, and it was a moment of moments. Don't ever doubt it. And it's still reverberating and impacting us to this very day. So to to get a little context for the moment, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3, if you're reading along on your uh, iPhone or, or on the screen. And, and I'm going to give you the actual event and what happened, because John, the Apostle John, is going to pick it up sort of after that. And he's going to let John the Baptist describe what this looked like to him and why it was so momentous. Uh, but we're just going to read it first from Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. So this is at the very beginning. Jesus at this point is is fairly unknown. Uh, to people outside of his family. He's 30 years old. He's about to begin his ministry that God sent him to do. 
Now, he and John, you remember, from when they were their mothers met when they were both pregnant with John the Baptist and with Jesus, they're related, some kind of cousins. And so they know each other, you know, because they're family. But this is a surprising moment for John the Baptist because John the Baptist, unlike Jesus, is known everywhere. He has been called by the Almighty to go and to baptize people because, in his words, you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's the message that he was given. And so he's down to the Jordan River and he's baptizing people. And a lot of people are stirred up because of what John is doing. So Jesus shows up in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3 to be baptized by John. Now, here's what John said. But John tried to deter him, saying... I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Now, right from that one statement, we understand that John the Baptist, he understands the kind of man Jesus is. He doesn't know yet who he is, but he knows the kind of man he is. So much so that he's like, hey, dude, I mean, if anybody needs to be doing the baptizing around here, it needs to be you. So right off the bat, we're starting to see something about the character of both men. Jesus says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. So Jesus gives us a little hint here. He says, this moment is more than about me being baptized. This is about to be a moment. And I don't, John still doesn't know what he's talking about, but he's like, okay, you said it, let's do it. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he comes up out of the water. And at that moment, here's our moment, heaven was open. Now, I don't even know what that means. Do you? Heaven was opened. But I know one thing. Paul took a little virtual trip up there that he wrote about later. And he said, I looked around and I can't even describe what's going on in that place. That's how amazing heaven is. And yet in this moment, when Jesus comes out of the water, it opens. Now, I don't know who all else was on the scene. Maybe it was just John and Jesus. Maybe there were other people. But this would have been something to see. Heaven was opened. That means that we're, we're about to marry heaven and earth and something big is coming. We coming. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. Not a, he wasn't a dove, but light is like he, he looks like some sort of bird, something and alighting on Jesus. What does this mean? And a voice from heaven said, uh, and by the way, I imagine this voice more in a James Earl Jones than a Pee Wee Herman, right? I mean, just that's kind of how you like to imagine. I like, you know, this moment's for Ken Dorsey, not Tommy Emma. No, no offense, Tommy, with your, with your tenor. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Do you see why this is such a moment? This is the first time since the creation of the earth when God said and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters that we've got the Father, the Son, and the Spirit showing their presence right here on the planet. This is a moment. This is big. And John is now realizing it, John the Baptist, for the first time. All right, now let's jump over to John. John chapter 1. Now we realize because of John's retelling it, what it meant to him and ultimately what it means to us. 
So in John 1, 19 through 34, there's this whole scene here because remember I told you, John's baptizing people, but he's not part of the Jewish establishment. He wasn't sent out there on a mission, you know, from the synagogue or the temple by the Jewish leaders. So they send some people down to investigate. And probably, I'm sure they were told as they were leaving, if this is not from us, you put a stop to all that going on down there. We don't know about this John the Baptist. Camel hair and locusts and honey sounds like a wild man. We can't have him doing all this. That's kind of their, what they do. So they get in, in uh, John 1, 20 through 28, we get a Q&A. Basically from this leadership on who you are. Who are you? Who, what is your authority? That's one of their favorite. Who gives you the authority? It didn't come from us. And we are the authority. But they weren't. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the Messiah? No. Are you the prophet? No. Are you the Christ? No. Are you Phil Robertson? No. I added that one. But they, there are some similarities in the two, I have to say. Here's what he said. I'm the one who points. I'm the witness. I'm the neon sign in the desert that says, we coming. Something big is coming. And I'm just pointing to that moment. So he was the sign. He was the one that God prepared for the moment. That's why they were the same age. And that's why they were born in, in, in such an amazing, miraculous fashion. Because John was the one that would show Israel the Messiah is here. But it wouldn't just stop with Israel. It carries forward to this very day. What a moment. Here's John's telling of it in verse 29. The next day after this, he had had this Q&A. Now remember, he's already baptized Jesus. He saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look. All the leaders look. All the disciples look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now he knows. And now they knew. And now we know. Messiah. This is the one I meant when I said, here, Jason, one of those bumper stickers. This is a statement. Get ready. Hold on to your brain. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. What does that mean? That means time means nothing to this man. Greatness. Now, I love this phrase. I myself did not know him. What are you talking about, Willis? You didn't know him. You've known him for 30 years. He's your cousin. Oh, he knew he was a good guy. In fact, he knew he was so good. He was like, I don't even want to baptize you. But he didn't know him. He didn't know he was the Messiah. He didn't know he was the Christ. He didn't know he was the Lamb of God sent here to take away the sins of the world. Believe it or not, that still happens, brothers, sisters. People know about Christ. They know things they heard. I grew up in church. They know about him. They know he's good. They know they wouldn't want to baptize him. But they don't know him as the Christ. As the taker away of sin. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then he said, gave his testimony. By the way, testimony is important. 
I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him second time he said that. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with that Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the son of God. Wow. That's a testimony. And remember. We give our testimony. The testimony is about pointing to the Christ. It's not about us. We're John the Baptist in all this. We're pointing. We're the neon sign. We're the one that says we are now receivers and we are the redeemed because of the power of God. So I ask you today, what does this mean to you? You say, well, that's interesting. That's man. That's a powerful moment. You're right. But what does that mean to you today? Well, there's two pictures that come out of John's testimony that I think are very powerful for us not only to look at, but also to process in our own heart and our own life. The first one is Jesus being pictured as the Lamb of God. Now think about that. That picture of Jesus as the Lamb would have meant a lot more in the immediate circumstance he was in because they understood what a Lamb meant. For us today, we're like, meh. I mean, we got any we got any sheep uh, herders in here? You know, lambs. I don't even think it's very good to eat. I mean, the little small pork choppy things are pretty good, but the rest of it, eh, not much on it, right? We don't know much about lambs, but his audience in that moment they knew. They remembered that Israel was brought out of Egypt and saved because the blood of a lamb that was smeared on a doorpost. That said, death will pass over this house. And so they understood the value of the blood of a lamb. They understood in sacrificial worship in the tabernacle, in the temple, that lambs, unblemished, once a year, were given for the sin of Israel. It wouldn't take the sin away. God was just holding on for something greater. A lamb that would come. And when it came... That lamb would be powerful enough to take away the sins of all people, those before the cross and all those after the cross. The physical lamb of God. Jesus came here and became a human being to be that lamb. Now, the powerful thing about Jesus is he he not only was the lamb, he was the high priest doing the sacrifice. He did everything and he did it all for us. To give us the opportunity to have our sins removed. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 9.15 said this. For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom. Remember this book written in the first century. For people to know. To set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Everyone that had lived up to that moment now had an opportunity to have their sins removed because of the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 40, after that whole Hebrews Hall of Fame text, it gave all these great men and women of the Almighty that by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, great men and women, but not cleansed from their sin until the Lamb of God would come to take away that sin. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, would they, all those great people of faith up until this moment, would be made perfect. 
Therefore, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Do you see how powerful the moment is? It's so powerful that it goes back all the way to the first man and woman, and it's still going on this side of the cross to right here in January of 2020. What a moment. I mean, that excites me to think about that he can take away the sins of all people. I can't even deal with my own sin, and yet he deals with all of it. What a powerful picture, the Lamb of God. Second picture is the Holy Spirit returning to earthly waters. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Genesis 1, 2, or Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, 2, and the Holy Spirit was there doing what? Hovering over the water. What was he doing down there? About to create God's life force. The animation of our God, the builder of all things. And God said and God spoke and he said, and we know from John 1, 1 that Jesus was there as well. The voice of God. Once again, the whole Godhead there. But the spirit was hovering, waiting for God to give him the go. And then God said, in Matthew 3, in this picture we see of Jesus being baptized, we see the Holy Spirit coming back. Where? To the water. Saying, look, this one is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say later, that Holy Spirit is going to be available to live in you. Waiting. That's how powerful this moment was. In Acts chapter 2, when God was ready to unleash and unlock the kingdom for all to know. And, and Peter was going to go in and preach that first gospel sermon. Before that, he said, boys, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to be able to pull this off. And so they're hovering over each one's head as a flame. But guess who it was? Holy Spirit, this is fixing to be good. And then Peter preaches that first gospel sermon. And 3,000 people are cut to the heart. And they look and they say, what do we do? And he says, you need to repent. And you need to be baptized. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So where's the Holy Spirit now? Hovering over the water, waiting for a decision to say, come on in. And then we become sons and daughters of the Almighty God. The Holy Spirit of God lives in us. It guides us. It counsels us. It leads us in step so that we live a fruitful life that looks like what God wants us to be. That's powerful. What a moment that we see in this text. So this morning, he's hovering, waiting. When you look back at the moments of your life, I'm sure you see some life-changing moments in there. I've had so many life-altering moments. Some life-clarifying moments where you had some clarity on some things you didn't know before. Some of you, even to this day, I know because I already talked to you, you have some life-scaring moments where you wonder, is this it? Is this where I crossed the divide? There's only one life-saving moment, though. That's the moment you submit to the Almighty. Now, along that way, there's some moments where we clarify, but there's the one where you know and you say, today is the day, we're going to do it. 
And the hovering Holy Spirit comes to live and interact with your spirit inside you. Wow. So when you look up this morning, what do you see? Do you see heaven open wide? You can't wait. This is going to be awesome. I mean, we're running to get there. Or do you not see anything? Rainy morning. Do you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit's descent into your heart and life to guide you and to lead you? Or do you do as Paul warned you not to do? Do you quench him and hold him at bay and leave him someplace where he can't do his work? It happens. We're humans. Sin is powerful. The evil one is powerful. He sells the lie, and we believe it, that his way is better than God's way. But the Holy Spirit says no. Do you hear the voice of the Almighty calling? This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. That's the voice I want to hear this morning. I want to hear God speaking that powerfully into my life. Because if I am a confident son of God, realizing I'm a sinner, but knowing that he's pleased with me, I can run through any wall for anybody or anything. Nothing will stop me. Nothing. Oh, the culture's so bad. What are we going to do? We're going to keep being light and life and love. And we're going to show what Christ has done in us. We are powerful. People that don't have the Holy Spirit don't even know what we're talking about. Which is why we got to tell them. If you answer no to any of those questions, I pray this morning your vision can be clear. That you will allow God to take those cataracts of sin or whatever it is that's holding you back off. And you can see clearly. We want to give you an opportunity this morning to come to our family. This is our family response time. One of my favorite times of the week where people can just share burdens. Maybe spiritual burdens, maybe physical burdens. Ask for prayer. We love it. This is that family time. If you have a need at all this morning, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?